I want to show you a picture of my sister. My sister Hannah. And so uh, we, we've got a picture on the screen uh, that we can uh, put up for her. And this is Hannah, my sister, and that's my uh, nephew, Will. Um, Hannah is uh, uh, one of those people, when you meet her, you never, ever forget her. She is uh, an emotional roller coaster, and uh, when she is around, she is the life and soul of a party. Um, but she does very well for herself. She loves Jesus passionately, and she tells everybody about Jesus. She is a Mary Kay consultant, and, uh, and, and which when she told my parents that she was going to be a Mary Kay consultant, they were like, we did not put you through four years of college to be a beauty consultant. And she says, but mom, I can make a ton of money. And, uh, and now she does very well for herself and she drives one of those pink Cadillacs. And so my parents are okay with her being a Mary Kay consultant um, now. But she's into CrossFit and everything like that. Well, I got a call two weeks ago from my mother and my mom says, you'll never guess what, your sister is in hospital. She just had a stroke. 40 years old, 40 years old. And she just had a stroke. And so she sent me a picture of her a couple of hours after being admitted into hospital. There's my sister. She'll love the fact I've thrown this picture. Well, she posted it all over Facebook, so she's good. But there was her face. It was drooped. She couldn't even speak or anything. And they caught it just in time. So in, over the next few hours, her face started getting back into shape. She started to be able to speak. She started to have feelings in her arm and her leg again. But what they found out when they did a CAT scan or an MRI, I don't know which one they did, but they found out that she had a blood clot in the brain. She says, if she hadn't have gone to the hospital right away, she probably would have been a vegetable for the rest of her life. And it started making us think, wow, life is so short. Life is so short. So... We've been praying for my sister, and she's getting back on the mend, and she is healing. And then she sent me a text message the other day. She had been to see her cardiologist about why she had this clot on the brain, why she had a stroke. And I want to show you the text message thread because it really ties in well with what we're going to talk about today. And so if you will take a look at the next picture, this is the text message thread that, we ha that I had with my sister. And it's going to be hard for you to read, but I'll read it for you. So she starts off by saying, I have a hole in my heart. That's been... That she says, that's where they are thinking the clock came from. So a brother being a brother, I says, oh my word. How did that happen? I suppose Jesus didn't fill the hole in your heart, right? And she was like, ha, 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 so funny. I guess I was born with it, she says. I have had it my whole life. She goes, I see the cardiologist on Wednesday morning. I'm most likely going to have it fixed. I said, that's scary. Let's hope they can fix it. Let's, let's take a look at the next picture on the thread. And then this is what she said. They say it's an easy fix, but it's still heart surgery. She goes, I needed that laugh this morning, so thank you. I've been dealing with that awful anxiety stuff. It's been really rough. I said, I bet it has, but I know this. Philippians 4, 8 to 9 says to think on what is good and honorable and admirable and excellent, then the peace of God will be with you. And then she says this, yes, that's so good. 
All I've been able to do is just speak in the Spirit. I seriously don't know how people live without Jesus. So I says, I know, right? And it got me thinking. She says, I seriously don't know how people live without Jesus. Now contemplate that just for a moment. If you are a Jesus follower, what would your life look like if you didn't have Jesus? See, my sister is a passionate Jesus follower. And she's been going through some awful anxiety, especially over the last two weeks. And she has relied on Jesus. She's relied on the Word of God, on the Bible, and the the words of Scripture. She's relied on the prayers of others, and she's had this awful anxiety, but this is what she knows. She knows that there is a comfort and a peace that comes because God is with her, and Jesus is there right beside her, and she knows that no matter what happens in life, that it's going to be okay because God is there, but it made her think, I don't know how people live without Jesus. Just think about it for the moment. What would your life look like if you didn't have Jesus? How would you make decisions? How would you approach your day? How would you go through life when anxiety and fear and issues come? How would you plan for tomorrow? Let's just park that there for a moment and just think upon that question just as we're just continuing in talking today. But I want to give you some background into kind of where we're heading in this. Now, when Jesus started his early teaching, the first real written transcript of the code of life or the way of life that Jesus would instill in, in his followers is found in the book of Matthew. It's found in the chapters Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it is a transcript of what, uh, what many people call the Sermon on the Mount. It, it was a time when Jesus gathered on the hillside and followers came to listen to Jesus. And Jesus started to talk about the kingdom of heaven and how to live life in the kingdom of heaven. It is an incredible sermon of the statements of Jesus. But these statements were totally upside down to the culture that the people who listened that day were living in. Now, last week we talked about the beginning of this upside down series and we gave a scripture that was found in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And in verse two, it says this, don't copy the behaviors or the customs of this world, but instead let God transform you by changing the way that you think or, or let God change you by renewing your mind, thinking the Jesus way, not so much the way that our culture thinks. And if you wanna start living life According to Jesus, if you want God to change the way you think so that you start living with what we call this renewed mind, then the way to live life is really how Jesus outlined it or outlaid it in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And then last week we also gave a scripture that's found in in 1 Peter chapter 2. And there we are told that those who call Jesus Lord, those who make Jesus Lord of their life, they are branded. For they are branded as different. They are chosen, they are royal, they are holy, and they are owned by God. 
And it is this, these type of people who make Jesus Lord of the life are those who do not follow the tides of our culture or the beliefs so much of our culture or the traditions of our culture. But instead, they use the teachings of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 to build their lives upon. And it was in these chapters that Jesus gives us a blueprint how to live life. And it was like nothing these listeners had ever heard before. Now, throughout these chapters, on numerous occasions, you will find that Jesus makes this statement. You have heard it say, then he will make a statement, and then he will say, but I say to you, and he often makes a statement that is contrary to the statement that they had already heard. So I'll give you an example. Jesus says, you have heard it say, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn and let them slap you on another cheek. And over the course of this series, we'll look at just some of those sayings that, that Jesus said. But what Jesus was doing, he was taking the customs and the behaviors and the philosophies of the culture that these people were living in, and he was turning them on their head, and he was saying, that way of doing life, that isn't so good for you. There is another way of doing life that is good for you, that is, that, 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 that is a way that I will show you. And it is the way of the culture and the behaviors of those who are the citizens of the kingdom of, of God and how they conduct their lives. And so we're going to look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now, for the sake of today, we're going to jump around all over these chapters over this series. But when Jesus gave this sermon, it was an amazing sermon, and it hit the hot-button issues of the day, right? So the, but the, the issues that everybody was talking about of the day, Jesus hit them, and he hit them first. And, and, and the issues were about the law and about, uh, uh, about the Messiah and, 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 uh, and about just the Jewish customs, and Jesus hit them first. But for us today, those hot-button issues aren't as prevalent today for us in our culture. So we're not going to start with those ones. We're going to start right in the middle because there's a hot button issue, I believe, today in our culture that we need to look at, that Jesus addresses, that really shapes our culture. And so that is found in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, but before we read it, I want to show you something that I saw on Facebook this week. It was a post by our very own Gillian Collins. Gillian posts a lot on Facebook. She has a lot of videos on Facebook. But this post really got my attention. And so there was a picture she posted. So you can, uh, you can put this picture up, Josh, if, uh, if, if you can find it. And it was a picture of six pills. And it said at the top, you can only pick two pills. And so if you could take two pills in life, which pills would you pick? And so, I'm sorry, six, there was nine. And I uh, can't count. And so there was, you can look 15 years younger. You can read minds for three days. You can forget your ex. You can eat without gaining weight. You can add five centimeters to your height. You can become super strong, have a lot of money, always feel happy, or get millions of followers. And so I saw this. And I thought about it for a moment. I thought, hmm, which two pills would I take? And I really couldn't 
kind of decide which ones. I actually went, the first one, I can have a lot of money because if I have a lot of money, I can probably do the other stuff, right? I can definitely look 15 years younger with a lot of money, right? With a lot of surgery. I could become super strong and get like a personal fitness trainer who can make me super strong. It's going to be hard to add five centimeters to my height, but if I get special shoes, maybe I might, right? So, so I was thinking through this this week, but then the more I started to think about it, the more I was like, I love this post. And this is why I love this post, because it points directly to how our culture thinks. I bet you've already thought about two already, maybe, right? How many of you, you've got your two? Anyone? Yeah. And maybe all that we say today, maybe today some of you are going to go home and you're going to get in the car. I was like, you're going to turn to the person you're with and you're like, which two pills did you choose? You know, you forget about everything else that's going to go on today and you'll think about the two pills. But the reason this speaks to how our culture is, is because our culture has taught us that we need to be better. That who we are in ourselves is not enough. That there is a way to a better life. And if we could have one of these, it is a way to a better life. Let's take the one that says have a lot of money for a moment. We live in a culture that says you need money. You do need money to pay your bills, to go to the grocery store, to pay your mortgage. You need money. Without money, we get stressed. Without money, we're worried. Without money, you cannot live the way that you've always dreamed of living. Because in this culture, we've taught us we need money. And let me just add, this isn't a money talk this morning, but we're just taking this as an example. And that is what the customs and the behaviors of our culture has taught us. That if we want to have a better life, if we want to, uh, to, 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 to do more things, if we want to have more fun, if we want to have more joy, if we want to have more peace in life, then we need more money. Because that's the culture we live in. Now let's take a look at what Jesus says about it all. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Jesus said to his listeners on the mountainside that day, don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroy them, and where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body, and when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness." And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Many translations say instead of money, you cannot serve God and something called mammon. The problems with money were not just for our culture. We live in a debt-written society where, where the chase of money is so much, but it wasn't just for our culture. It also existed in the culture that Jesus lived in as well. Now, it was an agricultural culture at the time, so money wasn't as prevalent. It was more like crops and animals, and that's how they traded a lot of the time, even though there was actual cash and there was money. 
But the focus of Jesus' listeners, the, the, the culture had taught them, the focus is to gain more, to invest more, and to store more. Nothing wrong with that, right? That's wise and prudent. You know, if you gain, to invest it and to store it. See, the problem isn't so much with money, because money is not a bad thing. The problem is the cultural belief behind what money is. The culture that Jesus lived in was this farming culture, like I said. And any farmer knows the importance of a safe and secure storehouse. A farmer would harvest their crops, and then they would have a storehouse that they would put the crops in to keep them safe so that they couldn't get destroyed or contaminated or damaged, or thieves couldn't come in and steal them. Any farmer knows that what is harvested today has to last until the next harvest. So they would try to protect their crops. This was wise and prudent. We call them barns today, but they call them storehouses. Now, it would be foolish not to store your crops in a storehouse. But then Jesus comes along and he says this, don't store your treasure in the storehouses of earth where they can be spoiled or lost or stolen. Instead, place them in a place where that will not happen, in a place where they will not be lost, stolen, or destroyed. And that place is heaven. Now, Jesus is talking very abstract here because you're like, what? How, how can I take crops and store them in heaven? I can't even see heaven. How, how can I do that? I mean, like, is there like a gateway to heaven, you know? Like there's a highway to heaven, right? There was a song about that. But is there a gateway to heaven? I can come and put my storehouse, my, 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 my crops in that storehouse? No. Jesus is talking very abstract here. But then he goes on and says this. And this is what brings it all together. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the farmer, his treasure is the harvest. For an investment banker, his treasure is stocks and bonds and cash, right? For a doctor, his treasure is his knowledge and medicine. For a teacher, their treasure is books. For a parent, their treasure is Netflix and YouTube Kids, right? Where your, heart, where your treasure is, he says, there your heart will be also. See, working and storing and planning are not bad things. But I want to ask you a question today. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? See, a farmer who sees crops as his treasure is on the wrong road. Instead of seeing the crops as a tool. An investment banker who sees cash and stocks and bonds as his treasure is on the wrong road. But one who sees them as a tool is on the right road. See, where is your treasure today? Where is the thing that you hold tight? Where is the thing that if someone was to take it away from you, you your life would be destroyed? Where is your treasure? For Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So Jesus tells us in verse 24 that you cannot serve two masters, and he boils it down to two choices, God or mammon or money, what the New Living Translation says, but really a good translation is mammon. What mammon is, it's a weird word that we do not use in our culture today. It's an ancient word that means more than money. Mammon actually means the pursuit of earthly gain or that which promises wealth. Money is not bad, but mammon is bad. Money is a tool, but mammon is the trust that money will bring a better life. So going back to the Facebook post that Gillian put that I was so intrigued by, when I started looking at them and I was trying to choose them, I suddenly started realizing, wow, I'm choosing mammon. Because I'm putting my trust in something because the only reason you would take those pills is because you want a better life. The promise of a wealthier life. promise of a less stressful life. But instead of our treasure being these things, what if our treasure was in God? What if we stored our treasure in his storehouse and we invested and trusted in him? So this is what Jesus says in verse 25. He says, now, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the fields and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, even though it's good to work, people. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And he says this, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Again, the culture that we live in, it dominates their thoughts. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So going back to my sister, my sister was going through this moment after she had had a stroke of terrible anxiety and worry because she was thinking, what does this mean for my life? Am I able to continue my life in how I've been living? Uh, uh, are my kids going to be able to see me like in the future? What, what, what is going to happen? Am I, uh, am I not going to be able to function normally? Am I going to be able to earn a living? All these thoughts started to cloud her mind. But then she realized, no, I have Jesus. And Jesus says this, don't worry. So I'm not going to worry because I have Jesus on my side. See, my sister, even though she lives in a place called Springfield, Missouri, you don't ever want to go there. She lives in Springfield, Missouri. But the reality is her heart lives in the kingdom of heaven. Her soul is, part of the, is a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
And she starts to think like Jesus thinks, not like the behaviors and the customs that our culture thinks. See, Jesus here lays down a list of benefits of those who choose to live the Jesus way. And and this is what the, the benefits are. For those who choose to live the Jesus way in the unshakable kingdom of God, and this is what the list of benefits are. The first one is this, there is a remedy for worry. If you are a Jesus follower and you have made Jesus Lord of your life, there is not a need to worry in your life. For Jesus says, why are you worrying? Can worry add a single day to your life? Your life is in the palm of God's hands. The Bible tells us that those who trust in God, that all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purposes. We're told that the steps of the righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Why worry? And when you follow Jesus, there is a remedy for worry. We're also told the second uh, benefit of being in part of the kingdom of God is this. There is a storehouse of provision. It's a storehouse of provision. You don't get to access the storehouse of heaven when you get to heaven. If you follow Jesus and make Jesus Lord of your life, you get to access that storehouse today. Because the kingdom of heaven isn't for a future age. The kingdom of heaven is for right now. And you get to access the storehouse of heaven. There is provision for you. More than that. We don't just get a remedy for worry. We don't just get a provision in the storehouse of heaven. We also get a radiant life. Did you hear what what, what, what Jesus said? He said, look at the lilies of the field. He says, they don't have to work for their clothing, but God clothes, clothes them and they are more glorious than Solomon in all of his glory. The wealthiest man, the wisest man who had ever lived in his day. When you live for Jesus, Jesus radiates you. You have this radiant life and you may not have all the luxuries of everybody else at times, but you have this radiant life. And then finally, the benefit of being part of the kingdom of God is this. You have a needs filler, a needs filler. Jesus says this. He said, he says, these things dominate the lives of the unbelievers. He says, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, all these needs will be met. That is part of being part of the kingdom of God. Your job, your career, your education, your hobby, uh, your parents, your family, your friends, your culture has never, ever promised you any of this. But yet so often we put our trust in them because they think they will give us a better life. If there was a college course or if there was a pill that you could take, to give you what the kingdom of God can give you, it would make billions of dollars. Everybody would want one. But guess what? You don't have to pay any money for it. For it's free for those who choose to live an upside-down life, a life of no worry, a life where God provides, a life more exciting and fulfilling than anything that our culture can offer. This is the life of those who make Jesus Lord of their life. And it's not just a fad that's going to come and go, like all those other fads. Remember Southern Living, right? Pampered Chef. What was it? 
what, what, what's the one, the leggings for the ladies, all those ones, you know? They come and they go. They're fads. They come and they go. Parachute pants. Remember those? <laughs> but this is what I know. The Jesus way is tried and trusted for 2,000 years. But there's one catch. It's always a catch, right? And the catch is this, that the kingdom of God has to be your treasure. That living the Jesus way has to be your priority. See, when your treasure is God, then all these other things get added onto you. But when your treasure is the behaviors and the beliefs and the traditions and the philosophies of what our world tries to tell us, do you know what's going to happen? They're going to get destroyed. They're going to get lost. They're going to get stolen. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the place where it's secure. Well, I know for a fact, it's tried and trusted that the Jesus way is the way that I can have a remedy for worry. I can have a storehouse for provision. I can have a radiant life. I can have someone who will meet my needs. And I can have a God who will love me. That's the Jesus way. So what we're going to do for the rest of our service today as part of our worship set, we're going to do things just a little different today. Normally, we just, you know, stand up, we sing some songs and things like that. But we're going to make it a little bit more interactive today. So for some of you, like, oh, change again. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to contemplate on where our treasure is today. We're going to be a bit more reflective in our worship today. And this is what we're going to do. There are four stations that are set around the room. The first station is here. It's our communion station. I call it our remembering station. Remembering station. And so what I want you to do through worship today, take a moment to come up and take of communion. Communion symbolizes us remembering the life and the death and the resurrection and the second coming and the hope of Jesus. And I want you to take a moment today to come and take some bread, peel it off and dip it in the cup, then eat it. To remember what God has done for you. Maybe you're in this place today and you have really forgotten about God. You came to church but really inside in your heart, God is becoming an afterthought to you. Take a moment to remember. In your back right, right at the back wall, there are some stones. And this is what I want you to do. And there's no particular order you can do these. You can do these in any order. But those stones, what I want you to do, I want you to lift those stones. Take a few in your hand. And I want you to start to release your worries and give them to God. And as you hold those stones, what are the things that are holding you down right now? What are the things that are causing you worry? What are the things that are causing you anxiety? What are the things that are like a heavy weight on your shoulder? This is what I want you to do. As you hold those stones, I want you to release them to God. 
And when you've taken a moment to release them, there's a bowl on that table. I want you to put them in the bowl and leave them there. Leave your worries and your anxieties there. Because we're living the Jesus way. He says, why worry? I've got your back. In your back left, on the back wall, there are some bricks. And that is what I'm going to call our lament station. Lamenting is a biblical thing. There's actually a book called Lamentations, if you didn't know. And what lamenting means, it means to feel pain for what is wrong in this world. And this is what I I know. I did an exercise like this a a few months ago, and this is what I lamented. How our culture has become so consumeristic. And they're turning their back on God and they're chasing after things that are here today and gone tomorrow. But what do you need to lament about? What is hurting you? What is hurting your heart? Maybe the fact that you've put your treasure in things that you shouldn't put your treasure in. Maybe you need to lament that. Maybe it's something about this world. Maybe it's it's the fact that a police officer got shot in Perry Hall last week or somebody went into a school last week and shot some people. Or maybe the fact that world politics, how it is. Or maybe you need to lament the fact that you've got a child who doesn't know the Lord. But then over there, there's some paper. I want you to write your lament on that paper. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to put it in the bricks. If you go to Israel today, there's a place called a Wailing Wall. And you've got all these rabbis and these different Jewish people who will then take their scriptures and they'll take their prayers and they'll put it in the wall and they'll leave it for God. We're going to make our own little wailing wall today. Put it in the wall. And then finally, station number four, we call it our imagine station. And there's some candles over this, and, and we're not getting weird and stuff with the candles. But I want you to imagine. Imagine what life is going to look like when you start living the Jesus way. Imagine what life will look like with no more worry. Imagine what life will look like when God does provide all your needs. Imagine what life will look like when you have this radiant life and your glowing life. And I want you to imagine what God is going to do in your life. Take one of the little candles, light it, and just stick it on the tray as you imagine. And so you're ready to do a little bit more interactive worship today? It's a little different, I know. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And as I pray, the band are going to come. And just take a few moments. And then just go from station to station. And remember and release and lament and imagine today. So, Father God, we thank you for the kingdom of God. We thank you, Jesus, that... You give us a way of doing life that sometimes may seem totally upside down to how our culture thinks and how we've been taught through the customs of unbelievers. But the reality is today, Father, we know that when we follow you, we don't have to worry. 
when we put our trust in you, we know that you will provide. When we start to live for you, our lives will start to radiate with the glow of the light of God. And when we start to walk the Jesus way, we know that when our needs come along, whether we need to eat or we need to drink or we need to provide for different things, we know, God, that when we put our trust in you, that you will meet all of our needs. So today, God, this is what our prayer is, that you will help us to seek first the kingdom of God and to live righteously in right standing with you through the grace of God. And we know when we do that and we make you Lord of our lives that you will meet all of our needs, that all these things will be added onto us. So Father, today we pray in your holy name that you will help us to live an upside down life. In Jesus' name.